Hey, this is Omar Hassan, and you're listening to Talkin' Schmidt. Hello, Schmidt. This is uh, Mark Andrew. Uh, not necessarily a message for the show, but one for you personally. I wanted to say, first off, thank you for the show, for what you do, for Africa Trife. It's just fucking rad, and I enjoy it all. And as far as the episodes and what you with your podcast, it's one of the highlights of every week. Um, I'm currently skating across the USA. I went from Mass. I made it down to Philly so far, hitting all the states. Long story short, um, I didn't stop supporting you for any reason other than I pretty much ran out of money. (laughs) So I just want to say that keep it up and I'll be back ASAP with support. Thank you, man. Just give it the old cause turn right here. Oh, big dog's in. Schmitty! What do you think, Schmitty? He could just pull shit off. Talk to Schmitty. He's so fucking busy. Shit my pants, lad. You roll the decks, it's fucking deep. Are you ready? Come on, Schmitty. I'm here for great Yeah! Hello everybody, welcome back. When I started this podcast thing, I had no idea I would have such cool guests as our next guy from Pacifica, California, and my first boss in the skateboarding world, Keith Cochran. (laughs) (laughs) Try to go game show host with you. Love it. Do I win something? (laughs) Yeah. Behind door number one, double rock. (laughs) Great. A toaster. (laughs) Um... Have you heard any of these podcasts I've been doing? I have. I had the Tim McKenney one. I literally listened to it while I was eating dinner with my wife. And I think I had stopped eating and like sat there and was enamored by the amount of shout outs shout out. that he put out. And just Tim and his craziness. Um, it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's been my favorite one so far. Okay, rad. So let's go back from the beginning. You were born in SFC, right? Yep. At where? What I was born, it's born at uh, St. Mary's Hospital. Grew up in San Francisco. Uh, went to grade school up until I think first or second grade. I went first grade, and then right when I was going to go into second grade, my mom moved me down to San Mateo. And I did a year in at San Mateo and then bounced to Pacifica, like third or fourth grade, something like that, year or two in, in San Mateo. And McKinney, then, are you listening? San Mateo. Dude, Sunny Bray. I'm calling Sunny Bray. Shout out. <laughs> There's a skate park there now. Oh, my God. There's like a little street <laughs> plaza. Funny Tim McKinney story. So uh, my stepbrother, Matt Thompson, is a little kid, was a really little kid when, when I was doing the whole skateboard thing. Um, my mom remarried, and his, uh, his dad married my mom, obviously. And he was in a Dogtown ad. I don't remember the chalkboard ad. A little kid sitting there with a chalkboard. Right. That was my, my, my brother, Matt. Oh, well, what? Matt lived in San Mateo with his mom and knew Tim McKenney, like, brought me his sponsor me tape when he was, like, 12. Oh. Jump ramp, Tim McKenney. Every other word's fuck. You know, Judah Ware, fuck! Fuck, fucking fuck. Don't give a fuck. That was before he learned shout out. Right. Shout out. It was so funny because I remember watching it and going, the kid's kind of, kind of, kind of pretty good, but he's got like a trucker mouth and he's two feet tall. Like, yeah, 
I can't be involved in that right now. <laughs> Damn. And then he got that tray flip, the trandy skills, wall rides. And then he ends up riding for us years later. And it's just like, I'm just, all I keep thinking about is this sponsor me tape that, like, you know, on VHS, it got pawned off to me from my l little brother. Whoa. Do you remember yes, that? Yes, absolutely. Wow. Tim, it was a very memorable tape, as you could probably remember filming it. Well, we just got a text message from Tim, and he wants all your help to get him back on a sponsor. Any sponsors he can get, <laughs> he's down, tired, whatever it is. I'm sure Tim won't have a hard time getting a sponsor. So when you were first starting skating, you had, like, the plastic boards? Pre-plastic boards, like wood boards, clay wheels, first skateboard. Remember it well on uh -huh. Wabash Terrace here in San Francisco, eating shit, trying to go down the driveway on clay wheels. Had one in the toy box with metal wheels. So my mom was a, um, a roller skater. Uh -huh. So I, I, I know, I guess getting a skateboard like really little, it just made sense somehow. I don't know. It was kind of funny. My mom. Uh, Similar wheels like the metal full, ones? Full clay wheels. Like, yeah, oh. metal wheels like the skates. Like, like roller the roller skates. skates yeah. The ones you used to go on your tennis shoes. Yeah. The total cheapy cheapy. But then uh, the first like plastic board I got, my grandmother bought for, for Christmas for me. And Christmas Eve couldn't wait, right? Rip open the skateboard, like super excited. First thing I do is loosen the trucks, <laughs> run to the top of the hill, as many pushes as I could get down, down this flat section into the hill, eat shit, end up under a car, concussion, oh. spend the day in the hospital in general. Um, yeah, that was my first day on my first real skateboard, like hyped about it. What was your first board that was like a, a name, re like a name yeah, brand board? like a company that people so, would know? So I remember the f first board I got like from a true skateboard shop. Oh, it was a Logan. Oh, okay. I totally almost spaced that. And, uh, it was a Logan earth ski, you know, piece of oak wood. Mm -hmm. And I had, uh. Excalibur trucks with ball bearing wheels. Damn. And the first like urethane ball bearing wheels I got, I don't even remember what they were, but I remember like getting the first precision. They weren't Cadillacs, they were Continentals because I, you know, <laughs> we couldn't have the right shit. I uh -huh. had to have the step down below it. Okay. But um, yeah, uh, my first skateboards, we, we used to have to put ball bearings in our wheels and like you would blow your bearings out and your ball bearings would they had no casing, right? No. And your ball yeah. bearings would go down the streets. So and you'd use BBs. Fuck. And they were super soft. And they'd be good for like half a minute and then crush them. What's an ABEC? <laughs> no such thing back then. Wow. We're talking early 70s. Yeah. Holy shit. Did you uh, skate the spillway in San Mateo? 100%. Really? Absolutely. I used to love to go to the spillway. That was, uh, I bought my first board from Dale Smith, go skate 41st. <laughs> They're like, there's a fucking ditch, blah, blah, blah. Up We're like, ah. this house. We go up there and it's just like seriously a scene that you would think was in a movie. There's just like wood everywhere. Tons of people. On top of there, yeah. yeah, we're like so intimidated. But that became kind of where I learned how to skate a little the bit. The spillway was the shit back and in the day. There was a something else with some dude butt boarding it and like jumping at the bottom <laughs> or something. We're like, that's it. Like that was the first time I noticed in the mag something from our zone. Right. Oh, it was fucking right. yeah. So that was really cool. I feel like the spillway came after skate parks closed. There was that section of time right. when all the skate parks were built in the early 80s 
and then they shut down like mid 80s and we had nowhere to skate so it was the spillway the devil's pit in pacifica oh yeah uh anybody who had a backyard that was at least eight feet wide you know their mom and dad were cool enough to let us build a ramp or they had a ramp you know um, so it was like you searched out everything to skate. So the, the spillway was definitely a hot spot back then. So my friend who ended up working for you, Eric Ryder, he had a vert ramp in his backyard, and I think you might have went there. Absolutely. I skated that ramp with Fedge, uh, Camden Scott, <laughs> Dean Coppola. A, that's amazing. Dude, uh, that was the spot. Yeah, like it yeah. was cool. Like you kind of climbed over the back into it. and like From the water tower. Yeah, like... yeah. Is it cool? Yeah. I think it's cool. You know, and, and he was such a cool kid, you know what I mean? Like he would come out and skate sometimes or he would just let you skate. And, yeah, and his um, parents were super chill. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, that guy, he's going to live forever. He's like stress-freak type guy. <laughs> he's a super chill guy. Yeah. But yeah, that, that ramp was sick. You huh. know what I mean? That was, I remember skating that ramp before some contest and like Fedge and myself, like we were practicing like at that ramp because we were oh. going to some... By like the Valparaiso one, maybe? Who knows? You there know. was one in Menlo Park, I remember. Fedge got second, and he was, I think, pissed because he was the local, and whoever got first wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of shit back then. It was pretty cool. So around that time, did you get into being sponsored, or was like what age? I came later on. Uh -huh. um, I skated the whole skate park thing. I grew up in the whole skateboard boom in the 70s. When, right. You know, it, everyone skateboarded. And then the skateboard park thing came and got into that in junior high. It was amazing, right? Like, our home park was Rim Rider in Burlingame. That was my home park. And that's where I met most of all my, you know, longtime childhood friends and everyone from the city. You know, Don Fisher, uh -huh. Michael Brown, Camden Scott, Joe Fong. You know, Ipe, oh, yeah. all those guys came from that whole skate park era, oh. and uh, and then it, it it cut off, you know. And I actually stopped skating for like three or four years. Of my freshman year of high school, I got a car. I think the parks were all dying. The parks were all dying, and there wasn't really a scene. And I started. I was living in Pacifica, so I was I was surfing. Rick Montez, this guy from Daly City, who was a sick skateboarder. He and I, he taught me how to surf, and I literally made my first surfboard with him. Like, and he lives in Hawaii now, and he's got a family. His kids skate, they rip. I see him all the time on social media. And, um, I made a surfboard and like learned how to surf. And uh, I got a drunk driving my right after I graduated high school. Ooh. I rolled a, a truck, had an accident, didn't hurt anybody, thank God. It was just me. And um, I lost my license, so I went and bought a skateboard I didn't have a skateboard, so huh. I bought a skateboard to get back and forth to the beach. And one day, I'm skating down to the beach, and I take this little side street, and I hear that sound of a skateboard ramp. I'm like, holy shit, someone's got a ramp. And I look over this fence, and these kids are got a full half pipe, and I'm just like, this lurker dude, like over the top of the fence, and he's like, you know, junior high kids got a ramp, and I'm all, hey, can I skate with you guys? And they're like, yeah. So I start skating this ramp, and I like, Literally, just that was around it, what year was that? 84, In the 80s? 85. Okay, uh, probably 84. Okay, I graduated. That was high probably school like in right when I started skating. Yeah, huh. and uh, that's when the whole spillway thing started happening. And then there was a ramp in Millbrae or Burlingame that used to be in that eucalyptus trees, just by by Burlingame. I remember oh, that yeah. Oscar Bachowski and all those guys. Yeah, used to Rider. 
I have pictures from that like that ramp too. I worked with Oscar. Oscar was a shit. Yeah, Oscar got us. Fuck, Oscar was an avenue for sure. Like all of a sudden, we got to skate Ray Myers ramp, met Bryce. And then they got rid of it, and they gave it to me. No way. I got you Ray Myers. You had Ray Myers video ramp? <laughs> that is sick. I had it for, like, less than a year. Like, the neighbors freaked out. It just turned into a fucking it's whole ordeal. funny how ramps, like, got taken down and moved. Like, yeah. I don't think a lot of people realize, but the, the famous HP ramp was originally Shrugi's ramp. Oh, and then, I didn't know that. And then Finger got it, and they put it in the backyard there at, in, in HP. And that ramp was infamous. Wait, so you know the evolution of that? Yeah, I skated the HP ramp like from the beginning. No, I didn't skate the beginning, but I remember it being toxic. It was Shrugi's ramp. Oh shit! Like the you know. And then Pierre lived under the deck. Pierre literally lived underneath (laughs) the ramp. That like that was the crazy. That's when I was already getting getting sponsored. It was not back then, especially. I remember doing a backside air and over rotating and locking up and knocking myself out and waking up to like. All the little neighborhood little hood kids. He dead. He dead. Like, <laughs> I'm like eyes rolling back in my head on the bottom of the flat bottom. Uh huh. It was it, that was a crazy time. Damn. In, in skateboarding. The funny part was I started skating this ramp and like really kind of really stopped surfing. I just immediately gravitated back to skateboarding. And one day the kid that is Matt Millard was his name, and uh, he wasn't old enough to drive, and I got my license back and everything and. Uh, he wanted to go to this this contest at the boys club in the city, and his mom and dad were like, "Hey, can you give him a ride?" And I'm like, "Yeah, he's cool. You guys, sure." Mm-hmm. So I drove this kid up to the city, and go to the, the the mini ramp on top of the roof at the boys club on Hay Street, and I walk in and I see everyone who I haven't seen in like four or five years: Bryce, Tommy, Fish. Everyone's there, right? Yeah. And the kid goes to enter and gets cold feet. Like he sees everyone skating and it's kind of a full scene and gets intimidated. And I think it was, it might have been Tommy. It's either Tommy or Bryce. One of them was like, dude, skate the contest. He said, skate the contest. And I'm like, all right, well, this kid already paid the entry fee. I guess I'll, I'll go for it, hey. you know? And uh, so I skated the contest and got second place. In like the B division or whatever, and was that the vert ramp at the, it, it was uh, a at mini, the boys club? It was a mini ramp. It wasn't quite vert. It was like right. But it was a big. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was like right. It was, it was a great, great ramp. It was super fun. Uh-huh. And from that point on, I never looked back. Like I was in college. I think I quit quit school. Fish got me sponsored by Blockhead. That was like my first sponsor, Dave Berthold. Shout, Shout out, thank out. you, Sacramento. I think I was like the first guy outside of their scene up there. To, Sam Cunningham. Yeah, to, to get sponsored. And um, I knew Eric and Fosto indirectly through my childhood. It's a crazy story. My mom dated Eric Swinson in high school. Oh. My dad knew Fosto when he first came to the country. Fosto, you know, his family migrated from Italy through Argentina in the United States, and uh, when he got here, he didn't speak a lot of English, and my dad, the story goes, he taught Foster how to speak English. Whoa. So they were childhood friends. Damn. And during, like, the skate park days, Fosto took me skating one time, which was, you know, so I had this connection, so I called Fosto, I was like, hey, you know, I'm riding for this board company, you know, and he, they used to give me indies forever, and Venture was kind of new, so I was like, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, well, there ain't no way you're gonna get an ad for indie. But maybe if you ride for venture, you might get an ad. You know, uh-huh. <laughs> there's less guys on the team. Yeah. 
so that I, I got on venture and, and, and rode for venture for quite a while before actually ended up after Rocco was done being the team manager I took over the team I wanted to be the team manager really bad uh-huh and uh, I asked Fausto I said hey can I you know can I can I be the team manager and typical Fausto he's like yeah come down and talk to me at my office <laughs> so I show up thinking it's gonna be this glorified like just free product I get to go to contest all shit and he's like if you're gonna be the team manager you gotta do the sales the marketing you gotta do it all yeah and I'm like uh <laughs> fuck kind of backpedaling prior to that when I was still in college I remember my mom was going to kick me out of the house because all I was doing was skating and not really going to school she's like you gotta get a job so I remember coming down to Foster go I need a job my mom's going to kick me out of the house and it's like come down here tomorrow then I go to the old mag and he had me in Maria's office typing like you know labels for mail order shit for the mag i couldn't you know one finger at a time <laughs> that lasted like three days of fucking ridiculousness and he put me in the mail room i worked in the mail room in like 1984 oh damn so I, my was that at the shipyard yeah wow with peewee with rick rozart oh yeah OG. damn shout out rick. shout out rick pig love wow that's insane and do you know what why what happened with Rocco leaving? Like, why did that Rocco was pre right before Rocco started World Industries? Ah, so he wanted his own thing. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know how much anybody even knows about that, but I remember just hearing stories of Rocco borrowing money from some like gnarly dude to start World Industries, huh. like Lone Shark type deal, whatever, oh. something you know, some some shady character. Yeah, it seemed like there was a lot of like. I think that's what made it rad because skateboarding was like not for everybody back then. Mm -hmm. And so it drew these villains and weird dudes, which was kind of what brought us all in. And then like he's screening overboard (laughs) and like he's showing people focus them so he can sell more. Like there was a lot of smart stuff. Rocco is a really (laughs) very, very intelligent human being. Like he's no dummy he's yeah. a really smart guy uh, i owe a lot to think success early on to rocco um rocco was like the first guy to like kind of break out of the big five before that it was you know santa cruz independent Goldwing, tracker you, you know vision uh-huh. um you pal you had these these skateboard companies that were really big you know and none of them were skaters right so rocco was like the first guy to be like put his yeah. finger up and go fuck you guys you know like I'm a skater. For those that don't know, Steve Rocco, pro freestyler. Then he ended up being probably one of the biggest entrepreneurs. Yeah. And yeah. he got out. He sold <laughs> made a bunch of money and left. Yeah. There's like, a documentary. Look it up. I have a short cameo. I think I swore a lot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tim McKenney shit. Oh, man. The rumor was that you were Fausto's godson, but that's not completely true. Not true. Um, no blood relation. You would have thought I was his stepson by the way he treated me. I owe really almost everything to him and Eric Swinson, and it's hard for me not to get choked up when I talk about it. Um, I was a punk kid, no fa- no father. You know, my mom was a single mom, um, remarried. I was just, just you know, kind of on my own from 13 on, pretty much. And uh, skateboarding was the only thing I ever did. Fosto took me in early on. And I had, you know, a lot of success with Venture. Like it was just a sort of fledgling company. 
and out of no, you know, really, I sat in a room by myself eight hours a day making phone calls to distributors and sending faxes, you know, to people around the world, which is a funny story because they didn't have a fax. And I'm like, we need a fax. He's like, what the fuck's up? <laughs> you know, like, so I make him buy a fax machine and I'm sending these handwritten notes to like Australia and, you know, Japan and all these places and getting these distributors to buy. And over the short course of a couple of years, we really got a lot of groundswell and we really gained a lot of, uh, uh, of penetration in the market. Fosto and Eric, for a lot of people, I don't know how many people even really know, you know, who these two guys are. Everyone knows who Fosto is, and not a lot of people really know who Eric Swinson was. He was kind of the guy who, you know, we, we wanted to make something, he figured out how to make it. Mm -hmm. um, they were the, this crazy dynamic duo, and they were fucking gnarly. Like, Fosto was a very intense human being, and he treated me like his kid, and just fucking let me have it like mm. i never got a break like it was tough love it was super tough love and it was hard and it was gritty and there was times when i mean we would fucking scream at each other and i would go home at the end of the day going i fucking hate him he, he's so fucking mean mm. but he made me he gave me this work ethic and he made me into this individual that i'm indebted to him for when i got involved in in, in the venture thing and we started going to the first trade shows. I thought everybody in skateboarders was friends and it was the funniest fucking thing. I remember going at ASR, my first ASR show, and I'm like bopping down the hall, you know, and I got my little briefcase. And <laughs> the joke was I ran Venture out of a briefcase for fucking decades and never had a trade show booth. And, and at one point was the number one truck. Uh. You know, the strong number two for decade. And I bump into Novak of all people and I'm all, hey, how you guys doing? Thinking everyone's friends. And he's like, oh, there's that fucking kid from Venture. You know, and it's like totally talk shit to me. And I was like, fuck you, old man. Like, now you're my number one hit list. I don't care what your relationship is. My job is to put you out of business. Right. Like, and it was just like, and you know, Novak and I are, are friends now. And I, and I really like Richard. He's a really amazing old guy. And, but uh, there was a time when I just, you know, got thrown into this thing. And Fausto, he kind of prepped me for a lot of that. So it was really gnarly. Like, we... And I'm kind of a street kid, you know what I mean? I grew up in San Francisco, I got moved to the suburbs, but I was always back in the city. Yeah. Like my mom, I would go to school during the week and then back in the city on the weekends. So I kind of had that kind of in, you know, in, in me, that street thing. And I remember Fossa just telling me like, run it like a gang. Like be strong in your backyard before you expect to be big somewhere else. And mm -hmm. that rings true to me. Like when I get phone calls and emails every week every month, every year from someone with a fucking idea that wants to do something in skateboarding, you know, and, oh, I got a, I got a brand, and I'm always like, be strong in your backyard before you do anything else, you know? Yeah. And, and uh, they were gnarly. Fuck I, yeah. I got stuck one time in this fucking car between the two of them in a fight, and it was, I was fucked. Between <laughs> Novak and Fosto? No, between Eric, Eric and Fosto. Oh, yeah. When they were doing the go-kart thing, we went testing oh, yeah. go-karts. Oh, yeah, and track remember, magic. Oh, God. I remember Fosto, like, lighting a joint, and Eric's driving, <laughs> and I'm in the middle, and the joint passes over, and I hit it, and I think attempt to pass it to Swinson, and he's already, like, Mr. Sober guy at this point in his life. Oh. And they start going at it, and I'm in the middle just like, ah, paranoid, stoned, and freaking out, and nowhere to run. <laughs> oh yeah well, i had the same experience in uh asr san diego me and zawanich are going to dinner with uh fausto 
when we get into the elevator and the doors are closing and right as they're about to close steve douglas like squirms in oh no so they close right behind him so we're just in there and awesome fausta just goes off on steve douglas like i don't know why like i think something happened with maybe new deal or something i'm not exactly sure this but me and paul are just like holy fuck we're like melting into the walls like what do we do nowhere to hide <laughs> yeah nowhere to it run. was like really like memorable like damn i bet you like if you ask paul he'd be like yeah i remember that yeah <laughs> everyone who's close to fausto has a fausto story i i yeah. have tons of them because sure. he and i traveled a lot together too yeah and and just doing the business together you know before think mm. Uh, it was venture, you know, hit Fosso's heart and soul is indie, but he took pride in the fact that, you know, I was kind of carving this thing out of nowhere. And, uh, but man, he was fucking gnarly. You gotta be the first fucker in the warehouse and the last fucker to leave. I mean, he like, he would like get here at like seven in the morning to see if I was the first guy to show up. Yeah. Like, and stare out his window and my warehouse is across the street. So I couldn't hide. And Shit. the couches, when I go and sit on that couch which is still in that office yeah it makes my hair go up on my <laughs> neck and i'm just like oh god i'm gonna get yelled at you used oh, to get yelled at god. in the morning and then like you know maybe midday he was cool to you you know one fossil story i gotta say you know you hear all these gnarly sides to him too right but yeah i don't know if you remember this but i got shot in a drive-by shooting no yeah and uh it was over Thanksgiving break, like when we we're closed for a few days, and I was in Hayward, and this guy rolled up alongside my car and shot at the car behind me, shot at my car, and shot at the car in front of me, and I was the lucky Whoa. recipient of a bullet. It went through my shoulder and out the back, and it was just flesh. So I like went home and sat in my house for like two days and didn't call anybody or tell anybody, and like I called Fosto and I'm like, hey, uh, I just want to tell you I got shot. He's like, what? And I think he just thought like it was, it was like real minor, which it kind of was, but it wasn't. Mm. And he's all, and we were riding street bikes this time. He and I both had motorcycles, and that was kind of a thing we did outside of work together. Mm -hmm. and he's like, "Can you ride?" And me being, you know, sitting on my couch for two days eating Vicodins like they're chiclets. I'm like, yeah. "Fuck yeah, I can ride!" Oh. One arm, ride my CBR 600 to Hillsboro where he lives, and I pull up. And Dr. Lin Ho, who's a dear friend of his, yeah, he calls Ho like, "Hey, you gotta be over here. Keith got shot. I want you to look at it." You know, like so, like they're like waiting for me, and I pull up in the driveway, like one arm in it, like elbow and one arm and all the way down there, and I get there, and, and uh, Ho takes a bandage off, and Fossa looks at it and just goes, "Oh fuck, jeez, like falls out, right? Whoa. I don't know what it was, but anyway, he goes. Uh, all right, we're going to go down to the motorcycle shop. And I'm like, uh, uh, okay. And he's like, ho, oh, ride Keith's bike down there. And I'm thinking, oh, man, maybe, maybe we're going to get my bike tuned up or something. I don't know what the <laughs> fuck's going on. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm high on Vicodin, really. Yeah. I'm like, whatever. We went to this motorcycle shop, and Fausto, basically, I traded my bike in, and Fausto bought me a brand-new GSX-R750. Like, he... <laughs> pulled out his checkbook stroked a check for the fucking balance damn and was like this is for you and it was just, it was just like the craziest random fostoism you know like yelling at you fucking idiot what'd you do to get shot you know i got this whole yeah. you know you fucking did something I'm, no i didn't man it was a fucking drive-by like it, seriously it was in the wrong place at the wrong time it was horrible da 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 and uh but then he like buys me a motorcycle it was this is the weirdest relationship wow. yeah you know
<laughs> yeah, Miss Fausto. Me too. What do you think you would be doing if he was around? Fucking today? yelling at everybody. He'd still be in this. Oh, fuck! He'd still be here. He'd be yelling at Tony because Tony fucking yeah, I didn't tie his shoelace right or something. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I think Tony and I probably got the the brunt of the most Faustoism. Jake too, actually. I, I, I really, and I, maybe I'm just being sensitive, but I felt like he wasn't as hard on everybody else as he was on me. Uh huh. And he got it out on me. So he would, and I, you know, I used to think, well, that's cool. At least he goes home and he's not brutal to Tony and them. You know what I mean? Right. I used to actually think that. Like, huh. Well, let's rewind a little bit because yeah. how did things start? Good point. Um, we're doing venture, and I really wanted to do a board company. Like I was just, I, I wanted, I wanted to do a skateboard company so bad. So I was in the process of making concave that was like a big thing back then right this is when everything was changing double you know kickboards were coming into play and concaves were the hot item of the week you know what i mean skateboarding goes through these weird uh dips and valleys with what's hot and what's not and i'm in the middle of trying to figure out how to you know what degree to make the concave and i'm actually like researching it and we're making some prototype stuff and we i took all the money I had, I had college money like saved up from my family and it wasn't a lot. And um, I invested it in and borrowed a little bit more from Fosto and Eric personally. And all three of us formed a corporation called Real Deal Incorporated. Oh. And I already had the name of the company. I had the first logo. It was going to be Real Skateboards. And during the process of all that happening, Jim Muir came up here or called Fosto and somehow Dogtown was, there was, a, it was a way to maybe buy half of Dogtown. Oh. So we shifted gears, took our money, bought half of Dogtown, moved Muir up from Venice. And um, I think we bought out his parents, if I remember correctly, like they owned the other portion of his company. He was in business with his parents at that time. And um, we moved Dogtown up to San Francisco. So we were doing Dogtown. And this is like right when street skating is just like blowing up. And Dogtown's an old brand, you know? It had an amazing team, some sick fucking riders. And uh, it was a struggle, man. Like, we really... Was that on Yosemite? Yeah. With, yeah. like, Thunder and Spitfire? Thunder was down the street oh. in the little hole in the wall, the first deluxe. And we were um, up the street where it was the original print time. The original screenshot was in there. Oh, yeah. So we shared half the warehouse with print time, the screenshot. Sick. And... Um, you know, we're hand screening boards back there and stuff like that. And we did Dogtown for, you know, I, I, my, the, the years kind of blend. A couple a couple years, two, Were three years. Were the OGs still on there, like Dresden, Aaron Murray, yeah, yeah. Uh, Scott Oster? Uh, Scott Oster, yeah. fucking, uh, Ben Schroeder, yeah. the Schroeder twins, fucking right. nut jobs. Those guys killed it. You know, yeah. Yeah, Ray Dillon. Oh, yeah. Um, Jay Paul, uh, Paul De Jesus. Oh. First, first skater. Really? Yeah. And then... Fab was on there. Fab rode for it. Yeah. Um, we had a host of, like, we had a sick team. Right. And we did pretty good. You know, Dogtown did well. I mean, it, it had such a, it, it's just, it, it still does. It's an iconic brand. It's been here since the 70s. It has some of the sickest skateboard art ever done by Wes Humpston and all yeah, those guys from They Venice. got a movie made after them. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when that was going on. But uh, it was a struggle, you know what I mean? Because you're still trying to resurrect an old brand. Right. And that's when really Rocco and all that stuff was really happening. You know what I mean? So I had this goofy idea to do a brand with just amateurs. 
and a bunch of local kids in San Francisco. And I'd hired Greg Carroll to help me at Venture kind of be the team manager. Because I was still doing the international domestic sales, all the sales and the helping with the advertising for Venture yep. while we were doing Dogtown. Sick. I never stopped working at Venture. And uh, we were gonna call the company Move. <laughs> that was what we had come up with. Mm-hmm. Nick Lockman and Sam Smythe and Carl and all those kids. Those are like our guys, right? right, right. Those are our, our, our guys we're gonna do this with. Nick had this sticker on the bottom of his board. It was like one of those paper fluorescent stickers they used to have on produce. It like said, think fresh produce, but it said think in like a starburst. And he's like, we should call it think. And I'm like, I'll be right back. I grabbed his board and I got in my car on Yosemite and I drove down here to Thrasher. And Cam McGuire was the guy who used to do layout and uh, art stuff here. And I'm like, Ken, let's rip off Nike's Just Do It, the vertical screen print. Do you think with a light bulb? Like we literally came up with the first logo in like five and a half seconds. Damn. And did it. And I came back with like the Xerox. Like, this is it. Think skateboards. Like, and they were all pumped. And that's how it started. So we actually did think as an, at the same time with Dogtown oh. for a portion of time. Uh-huh. And we, you know, we had two or three models. It was supposed to be just just amateurs, and we had, that shifted gears pretty quick. And then we got uh, Mike Kepper from Shut Skates. He was the first he pro. He was our first pro. Uh-huh. We were making boards, and I wanted it to look completely different than the Dogtown boards. And Dogtown boards were made at a certain wear out factory. And I, so I bought boards from like John Fallahee helped me out in the beginning. I got, all, I got boards from Fallahee from uh, you know, his wood shop. Yeah. And then where I'm kind of going with kind of backpedaling a little bit, how Rocco really helped me, Prime was prime wood, everyone. It had to be prime wood. If it wasn't prime wood, no one wanted to buy it, right? Mm. I was the only guy outside Rocco's camp that got to buy prime wood with Rocco's blessing. Oh. So he literally took me down and introduced me to uh, Louie at prime wood, and they you know, gave me the nod to use one of his concaves, one of you know, World Industries concaves, and he, I, I had, my boards were made the same place. So that's, and, and then as it started growing, we just decided to split off from Jim, and so we kept Think, Fausto, Eric, and myself, uh-huh. and Jim kept Dogtown, and Jim operated up here for a while and then ended up moving back down, down south, you know, yeah. and, and Jim did well, you know, but uh, that's really how Think broke off. We started as an offshoot at Dogtown, Right. And then became our own entity. Did Jim kind of introduce you guys to Stesic or was he already a part of Fausto? Stesic was already part of the Fausto crew, you know what I mean? Because of Powell and all that stuff, the early days. Uh But Stesic is truly, uh, he did all of our, you know, really helped us with all our our ads and everything. Craig is, he's one of my favorite people (laughs) in the world. One of a kind. he, He really is one of a kind. He's an amazing photographer. He's got a great eye. Um, he's hilarious. Like Craig's got this uncanny knack of, like I understand Craig so well. Like he'll just like say something to me, and we'll be doing two conversations at the same time. And we used to talk in my living room until we, one of us fell asleep. Oh, yeah, just passed out. Like, I always heard the story that Craig would talk to you till one of your batteries would die on your phone. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> super true. You know, Craig's just just a. He's just a really special person. I, I, I feel blessed to have been able to work, you know, uh-huh. be around those type of guys. Kevin Ansel. Yeah. You know. Um, he made the Sodi trophy. 
he did the first Spitfire logos. He did the first real skateboard logo. He did the, he did so many things for Dogtown. I mean, the, without Kevin, we would have been fucked. He did so much artwork. He did city skateboard artwork. He did think artwork. He uh. did, you know, he did literally, you know, back to the Spitfire thing. I, I test rode all of those formulas before they got the first one, the ground rounds, and um, busted my ass on all kinds of crappy formulas for urethane and, and did that for Fausto and those guys. True or false, you had the first Spitfire ad. I have the first skateboarder Spitfire ad in a ramp in Pacifica at a bowl ramp that we made in the back of Jim Kilboyt's house on Pedro Point. No way. True story. I used to skate a ramp in Pacifica that was like a mini ramp with two extensions facing each other. And uh, I met Eric J there. <laughs> who, Eric J. He was a part of Think for a Little Bit. Yes, Eric J. Oh my <laughs> God, what a character. Yeah. I love you, Eric J. By the way, Eric J possibly is, you know, he's one of those guys is just like one of the best skateboarders ever in the history of skateboarding. <laughs> and I don't know how many people know it or not, but he was this little kid that used to skate down at these ramps with in Pacifica. And he was such a weird little kid. He would do so much shitty things to my house and stuff. And I won't even get into it. You know what I'm talking about, you little <laughs> fucker. <laughs> but uh, I remember his, his dad, I still see his dad. His dad's a big archer and I shoot archery. And I see his dad from time to time still at the archery range. Uh. But Eric J was a fucking phenom like so good yeah could see a trick can do it i remember <laughs> getting permission from his parents to bring him to this contest in up in oregon a mini ramp contest i'm like i got my secret fucking weapon uh -huh. like, i'm gonna fucking kill all these kids up here <laughs> like i'm i'm unleashing fucking eric J on these kids he's gonna fucking kill them all right yeah it's time for eric J's run and i look around he's fucking ghost that doesn't surprise I me. I find him hiding behind a tree, holding his skateboard against his chest. He's terrified. He doesn't want yeah. to like, talk him off the ledge. Like, dude, just, just fucking drop in. Don't worry. Whatever happens, happens. Yeah. He drops in and fucking kills it. Oh, yeah. He's fucking an amazing skateboarder. Yeah. There's rumor that he uh, is going to possibly stop by and do an episode. So oh, my God. I'm hyped if that happens. That, dude, I can't wait to tune into that one. Yeah. Fuck. So many rad people went through the thing yeah. from the beginning. Does anybody stick out to you as like one of the like your all-time favorite I, think writers? I mean, I have, there's a handful of them. Uh -huh. I had the pleasure of having Wade Spire on my team. Right. Phil Shaw. Yeah. A, a fucking legend. Paul Zawanich. I mean, Matt Pales. Yeah. The guy I probably had the most fun with <laughs> was Pat Duffy. Okay. I love Pat Duffy as a human being. I love Pat. Um, yep. He and I traveled a lot together. Shout out to Yo Duffy. Shout out. I mean, he, Duffy, uh, there again, is just one of those guys that cannot touch a skateboard for a while and get on it and just fucking shut everybody down uh -huh. you know, on any terrain he can skate you know, he can skate anything he's not just a street skater he's at no, tv absolutely but um i traveled a lot with pat to europe and uh pat's that guy that gets lost right uh -huh. he's the fucking guy that gets drunk and gets fucking lost <laughs> and it used to drive me crazy and we were over there for the shoe thing for pyro shoes at ispo and we go to this nightclub in munich it's like this super, it's where all the model, supermodels go. It's back in the day, it was called P1, P, P1. 
we get into this club and I'm all, Pat, don't fucking get lost. Like, hold on to my t-shirt. Like, we're going to go through the fucking crowd. And I'm going through the middle of the dance floor and I feel my t-shirt. Like, no one's holding on anymore. And there's fucking hundreds of people on this dance floor. And I turn around and there's no fucking Duffy. Like, <laughs> fuck. And it's my job to, like, get Duffy to this fucking deal the next day. Like, yeah. I, and we've been drinking and having a good time. And I'm like, fuck. I'm stressing immediately. Like, fuck. I know I'm going to lose him. I'm fucked. I'm fucked. I'm, I, I'm, I lost Pat Duffy. Like, my whole purpose of being here on this trip is to get him to this thing in the trade show booth. And out of nowhere, it was like the fucking record needle stopped. It's like, it's ACDC. And I'm like, no fucking way. Where's the DJ booth? I look and Pat somehow makes his way to the DJ booth, scares the fuck out of the DJ. The DJ's like cowering over in the corner in his own DJ booth. Pat has gone through his records, found ACDC, and has it playing on the system. Wow. And it gets richer. So we link back up. We're fucking partying. I'm Pat, don't fucking lose me. Yeah. Sure enough, pff, he evaporates. So I wake up next morning. There's no Pat Duffy in the hotel room. I'm like, I'm fucked. So I, I got to go to this fucking deal. I got to go and tell him I'm sorry. He's not here to sign autographs for his signature shoe. I'm an asshole. I lost Pat Duffy. And he'll <laughs> fucking surface when he surfaced. Pat somehow with no money in his pocket, gets in a cab, finds an ATM, gets money, tells the guy to take him to the fucking ISPO, which is in the middle of the night. Right. Breaks in to <laughs> ISPO. <laughs> ISPO is fucking huge. Like, you could spend four days at ISPO and not find the booth you're looking for. Uh, Pat finds the pyro booth and is passed out sleeping at it in the morning. <laughs> oh, my God. Pat, if you're <clears> listening... <throat> True legend. I fucking hate you for doing that to me, but it was <laughs> fucking awesome. <laughs> That's the best. Then, he yeah, has so many fucking stories. They, they never end. No. But I mean, back to the writers, I mean, everybody was like, you know, Greg Carroll was an exceptionally great team manager, and um, he was really close with the team writers, and I became more of the kind of the business guy, so I got a little bit more of a separation, so... Um, they probably hated me because I was always the no guy or whatever, you know what I mean? But, yeah, uh, looking out for the brand. Yeah, trying to. Um, trying to steer the ship. But, I mean, they, they were, every, I mean, Poncho Moeller, I mean, what's oh. not the fucking love about Poncho? Did you ever see Poncho in the John Cougar video? No, but I've seen him some in his other videos. Yeah, I think <laughs> it's a little more flattering than the John Cougar one. He's like, it's the whole song is about little people almost like uh, discrimination against low people. Mm -hmm. And he saves this girl on a motorcycle <laughs> and goes through a, You gotta Google it and look at it. It's so amazing. I love will. you, Pachi. Oh, Franco Nutman for life. <laughs> <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah, him and Diego lived in the garage and we had Fuck the best Diego. Times. Yeah, The butcher, dude. There's another guy. Yeah. I mean, we had some just fucking incredible talent going mm. through things. For and, sure. Uh, and not just with writers. Our art staff to this day are some of the most amazing artists that ever went through skateboarding. Right. Jeremy and Fish, Cycle. Mike Giant. Giant. Tug Cunningham, Jason Noto. Yeah. The, you know, the list does, keeps going. Right. Um, you know, Jason Noto and Doug Cunningham have Morning Breath Studios in, 
in Brooklyn, New York, and they're very, very successful. Uh -huh. Shout out, Shout out. To both those guys. I knew Doug back from graffiti days in Daly City. The tag logo, Doug was in a in a crew called TMF. He's the one that came up with the tag. No, oh. Disc, another uh, crew member, did it on a napkin, a cocktail napkin, and I blew it up, and it got that kind of distorted look, like paintbrush look. And yeah, that was our fucking logo, and that became our stamp. You know yeah, what I mean? like, and that think was a street-based company and that was really what it was they're all successful jeremy Every, got the city to the he got a day in san francisco yes. like jeremy fish day no jeremy fish is the <laughs> unofficial mayor of north beach yeah jeremy fish there again another uh, unbelievable human being like i am indebted and blessed to have worked with him mm. um last month him and uh, mike giant did a collab art show in denver Oh, I saw that. And I surprised him and flew in. Sick. And just showed up at the at the studio. Like, hey. Unannounced. Remember me? Unannounced. The, the gallery owner owner knew. Yeah. But those guys didn't know. Okay. And uh, it was a fucking great night. Had you seen them in a while? I hadn't seen Giant for a couple years at best. And Jeremy, I'd probably, it'd probably been a year or so. We had had lunch uh, prior to that. Maybe a year prior. Sure. But um, just hadn't seen each other. I mean, and and I got to, that's to hang out with him for a night. My wife, you know, who is, uh, doesn't, was never a part of my skateboarding life, yeah. got to see and meet these guys. And it was really a, kind of a special moment for that, too. Mm -hmm. Those guys just, I, I owe so much to them. And we have some great stories. And they have, their, their stories of me always crack me up because the think days are a little blurry for me. Oh, yeah. It was, it was a gnarly time of, in, in, in life in general. I mean, I party yeah. a lot. And uh, I was a young father. My son, who's sitting, sitting here in the corner. What's your name? Keith Jr. <laughs> Keith Jr. is in the house, ladies and gentlemen. So, Sick. Uh, you know, that was all happening while Think and was going. And I was building it. And it was, uh, it was such a lifestyle. And I'm yeah. blessed, blessed to have lived through it. <laughs> are, are we able to talk about the rave days sure <laughs> <laughs> you guys seem like you were i, I want to say you were on the forefront <laughs> as far as skateboarders go i think we were greg carroll and myself put in some serious fucking time at raves we just were every weekend we were at a rave and you know that was kind of a struggle in the beginning because we were fucking partying so hard on these weekends and then you have to put it back together on monday and and kind of get back into work mode and your serotonin was fucked from fucking all the ecstasy you'd eaten all weekend and how's but, your back <laughs> it's it's hanging in there nice. <laughs> thank god yeah but um yeah you know we were we were a big part of the rave scene and you would see our clothing fucking at the everywhere raves. yeah raves, you know and um that was a big part of what kind of our skateboard gig and our artwork and all of our stuff you know that was the music and everything in the beginning of think and uh, a lot of people don't realize this but one of the things that really kicked think skateboards off as far as sales and really made the brand very uh aware was um robin williams the comedian oh yeah he wore the hat he wore our hat on oprah winfrey right and then his agent called us and he wore our hat and Mrs. Doubtfire, and his in the kids. Movie. Yes. Oh. So there's the the, the the oxymoron. This is kind of crazy. House of Pain. I'm really good friends with Danny O'Connor and uh, Everlast and those guys before they had, before Jump Around even came out. Uh -huh. I was friends with them, and in Mrs. Doubtfire, he's 
dancing on top of a piano with a think hat on to House of Pain's song. No way. Fucking weird. Whoa. Right? But, and how did that happen? Because I heard he used to go to FTC all the time. And so stuff. he bought the hat in London. Oh. At this, I uh, forget the name of the shop. It was an iconic skateboard shop in London. Uh huh. He bought a hat in London. Just like the way it looked. Yeah. Well, he liked the message, right? Thinking oh. cap. Oh, you know, God. And Robin yeah. was really uh, socially aware, and, you know, for good causes and stuff. And he, uh, his agent called us and said, hey, you know, he wants to wear your hat. Uh, on Oprah Winfrey and I had to sign a release or whatever. And I was like, fuck yeah. So I sent him like a huge box of stuff for his kids. Cause I think one of his kids skateboarded and uh, like we went from selling like, you know, a few hundred hats a month to selling thousands of hats a month after those two things happened. And it just perpetuated. Like Damn. we had after that, happened, that we, happened, we had a, um, a publicist in, in Hollywood that just represented our clothing for, for movies and stuff. So we were placed in a bunch of movies during the 90s. And But Robin Williams, it was the coolest fucking thing ever. I was driving on 19th Avenue, coming home from Mendocino, and I looked to my left, and there's this black Range Rover, and it's fucking Robin Williams. No way. And I'm like, do the classic kook move, like, you know, <laughs> wave him down and roll down my window. And I'm like, no, no, no. And I'm, I'm wearing a thick hat, and I point to my hat, and I'm like, roll the window down. And he, he rolls the window down, and I'm all... I just want to say thank you. You helped me and my company more than you'll ever know. And he's like, right on. Fucking thanks for the product. Like <laughs> the light turns green and we both drive off down 19th Avenue. Like that was the one and only direct moment that I had with him yeah. other than talking to his agent. But that was a fucking deal breaker for us. Like we like just overnight. And that's when, you know, things just started getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Right. You know? Wow, that's really cool. I didn't know anything about that Robin Williams stuff. He had the house up by Baker Beach with like a dinosaur <laughs> out of a, a hedge. <laughs> we used to go, like he was like the most famous dude in San Francisco, probably. Like, no, there's not that many stars. Correlation. But. He became a huge Jeremy Fish supporter. Oh, really? Owned a bunch of Jeremy Fish's oh, pieces, sick. like big pieces, and um, which is just super random, right? How these little things kind of intertwine and. You know, you kind of all come back around to skateboarding, but yeah, that's epic. Let's take a quick time out, hear from some of our peeps, and we'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We got to talk about my good friend Phil Shaw because I wouldn't be anywhere near Ingalls or Underwood without that kid. Do you remember like how he came into your life? Do you remember seeing him for the first time? I'm pretty sure Josh Swindell is responsible for like br bringing his attention to you guys. Four ears. No, nah, it, it no. was before ears because Swindell, the, the, here's what happened because I was there. Is there was a, a, a you educate me on yeah this. well <laughs> I, I want to know if this was earlier or later than when you first saw him is uh so we we're at this um, contest at the San Jose the Kennedy warehouse where oh, shit. where O'Brien and Kendall yes, the, spine, the spine mini ramp in the but it was ramp. a vert ramp contest yeah. and 
Phil beat Max, which was like, I think to this day, Max might not be stoked if like, that, <laughs> it was so like the underdog, like Max was, Max is the shit forever. And Phil was this up and comer guy and, and Phil won and Swindell was there and he was like, Hey, he was writing for confusion at the time. Oh shit. And he was like, dude, yeah, we, uh, we need to get this guy. In the team. We need to get you on yeah. think. And then. I think somehow that transpired to he met Shirugi and got on Thunder and uh, Spitfire. And Shirugi gave us all this product to go to Atlanta to the finals. Me and Phil drove to Atlanta for gas money. We'd be selling like <laughs> Spitfire wheels and shit. And, and, and Phil skated to fucking... Dude, he skated to Weird Al Yankovic. It was insane. <laughs> <laughs> like everyone started laughing, and Phil even started laughing and fell. And he had to get a rebate. He was like, "Change the song." But uh, long story long, that was the beginning of. So, but then I'm not really sure exactly how. Like, if he gave you guys a sponsor me tape, no. or Greg uh -uh. just was like not put him on. Or I think he, I think he was one of those guys. It was just like. I don't. There's no way he came through a sponsor me tape. It yeah, was, he was just super good and got on the team. Uh -huh. um, I actually don't remember. He was definitely there before years, though. Yeah, all you guys kind of came out of that Redwood City, San Mateo. Yeah, the yeah, air, it's like true. area. Six also, five zero. Oh. Yeah, we had this, like <laughs> six five zero oh strong, right? Like, yeah, McKenny's, um, Awanich, Phil, me, uh, ears, fuck coons. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, there's a lot. Brian Coons, fucking shout out to Brian Coons. Shout out, Brian Coons, yep. saved my life more than once. Oh uh, yeah, he was the sober, calm person standing behind me at any moment when I was at an event, when I was unhinged, punching people. Oh yeah, I remember fucking grabbing bottles of Cristal from behind the bar, doing stupid shit, and Coons would just be like this big fucking guy standing behind me at all times, like you know, hold my hair when I was Good puking type guy. guy. Yeah. He's a fucking amazing. For yeah. all you people that just met Coons in the last six years, he used to be straight sober. I know you can't tell that nowadays, but uh, <laughs> he got a late start to the alcohol yes. game. And he, he, he watched all of, of us drink and stayed sober and made sure we were good. He took care of me so many times. Yeah. But back to Phil Shaw. Phil Shaw was one of those guys that literally could skate anything. I feel like Think had more ATVs than any any other team like we had all train guys that could just it didn't matter right if it was a fucking curb or if it was a vert ramp with two feet of vert or yeah. some sick backyard pool phil destroyed it and 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 phil was used to drive me fucking crazy <laughs> i remember funny phil shoster i got a story for everybody so i have to, I yeah, have to tell them i love it that's why but we're here we, we're in this warehouse where my office overlooks the warehouse like i'm above it right like yeah the perch and Phil is down in the warehouse. I don't know what the fuck he's doing, but he's playing music and it's fucking super loud and it's driving me nuts. And I probably have a hangover the size of Brooklyn. Uh. And I'm like, I go to the, this top and like, fucking Phil, knock it off. Like, and typical Phil like just looks at me and turns it up. <laughs> and I'm like, you fucker. And I, I, think, I think I unplugged the fax machine and threw it at him oh. from the second floor. <laughs> And it blows up, and he's like, 
like fuck you like him you know typical fucking phil just like keep pushing it right just turns it up even more and i remember walking down and it was like the cassette player and putting my hand through the cassette player and like now fucker you got no music like damn (laughs) he would just like egg me on to the tent you know what i mean yeah he was fucking an, an amazing guy and he was super smart yeah do you remember when phil first started driving yeah he was going to uc berkeley or yeah whatever. that black car he took so much pride in it do, do you remember him i remember him coming to me like you know i did the math and if i drive the speed limit yeah he started driving slower because yeah, he could get, get more, gas. more gas mileage <laughs> right? he's, he's like i can literally get 15 more miles or whatever per gas tank yeah. and i'm like what the fuck do you care like Dude, you get fucking so much skateboard products. Sell a skateboard, fill your tank. Like, yeah. As you, he's reimbursing his gas ticket. Yeah. <laughs> they're giving me his fucking, like, his receipts. Yeah. You know what I mean? Fuck. But I remember, like, just him being, like, that crazy. I remember when him and Zawanich probably stayed awake for, oh, yeah. for more than one day. Yeah. And they came with me with this yellow stenographer pad, like, notebook pad for you people don't know what that means with just like gibberish written like page after page and we're gonna do it they, they took me they wanted to take me to breakfast they took me to breakfast like away from the warehouse like we want to pitch this idea and i'm like okay and i'm like what are, what are we what are, what, are we, what are we talking here like i'm like fucking kind of enamored by this like you're taking me outside my office we want to do a board company called dump truck i'm like just nodding my head up and down like you guys on crack? <laughs> what the fuck does dump truck have to do with anything? Yeah. And they were like super hyped on it for like 48 hours. Right. <laughs> and I remember just going, how do I tell Phil Shaw he's fucking off his rocker right now and this is not going to happen? He's like, like fucking, you know, start one of my star skateboarders. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, it was one of those moments where I was like, it's kind of like, well, let's think about this for a little bit. Like, go home and go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> fuck fucking zooch i have a picture of zooch in my like man cave at my house and it's him doing back lip on the back of a porsche the oh. green, green porsche uh uh-huh. one of my favorite Sawanish pictures who is that lance dawes probably probably dawes huh? or or rodella Oh, okay. could yeah. be a Rodella picture. That's probably true. a Rodella picture because it was framed, oh. which means it was probably in my office. And I was like, "Fuck you, Rodella! I'm taking that put it in my house." <laughs> <laughs> Are you still friends with Bruce? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. We talk, you know, a couple times a year. Bruce is that same same guy. You know, you call him fifty times, he maybe answers once. Uh, you know, fuck you, Bruce. Yeah, I saw him actually. So fucking random. I hadn't seen him since think Mm -hmm. and i saw him within this last year i was on a bike ride and he was in front of this i don't even know what it is but it's across from best buy and he's like dude i got a bus around the corner my kid's birthday and there's like 30 kids (laughs) and we're gonna go i was like dude you have not changed at all it was so epic he didn't he looked the same too i was like there's another guy guy doesn't age worked at think but could skate yeah, yeah. Like, not only did the, the riders rip, but I mean, Sasha. Yeah. You know, Astorga. Astorga. Yeah. Guys who were salesmen, fucking ripped. Right. Like, you know, I mean, fish, fish, fish dog, fucking. Yeah. Ripped. So good. you know, like everyone. What would you think between the two places, Studio Forty Three and Jake's Ramp? 
which are both here in the city mm-hmm. nearby. Studio 43. Yeah. Hands down. It, I never got to skate. Studio that one 43 so fun. was that not fun. just a skateboard ramp, but it was a scene. Yeah. Like there was a point in time in the beginning of it. I think Bryce, I, I would pay him $125 a month. All of us like pitched in a little bit to, to keep to it pay. going. Yeah. And then Fosto started storing his cars there for a long time. Fosto had, you know, way too many cars and nowhere to put them. Um, but it was it was a scene for so long, and so much came out. Like those are some of the best days of my life. Like sessions at Studio Forty Three. I think one of my favorite sessions was when, growing up as a kid. Milpitas was like my home park, right? Yeah. And uh, I remember Rick Blackheart just scaring the fucking life out of me. Blackheart, you were such an asshole in the fucking eighties <laughs> and seventies. I love Rick now. He's a fucking killer dude. Yeah. He was such a dick. I remember him shooting his board at me because I like would skate the, the snake run like a half pipe. He's like, you fucking grom. He like just shoot his board at you like full speed, like try to kill you. Yeah. And I remember having this session where it was a full snake session and it was across the ramp from Rick Blackheart and and uh, Hackett at the time. Oh, shit. And maybe even Olsen that day. Uh. Like, these are like three of my fucking, like, Steve Olsen was like an icon to yeah. me like, growing up. And I just got so much pleasure out of being able to snake him from time to time. Oh. That's that shit. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that was fuck. Studio 43 was amazing. Yeah, when you were growing up, who was your guy? Were, were you Dwayne, Olsen, uh, Alva? Who was? Dwayne and Olsen. Yeah. And, and TA. So the first skateboard park I ever got to skate was Rim Rider, and it was a park designed by Tony Alva. Oh, yeah. And Tony and I... Coyote Point. Um, or kind of by that. It was Bur- Burlingame. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and, and Tony and I are got to be really good friends later on in life, so it was like re- he was like an icon to me. Like, growing up, to- Tony Alva was the shit in the 70s, right? Uh-huh. And then in the 80s, I got to, to go skate one day. Fosto picked me up at my grandmother's house with Mickey Alba and Dwayne Peters. And it was fucking like baptism by fire. Mm. So I went skateboarding with those guys one day. And from that moment on, I think I shaved my hair to look like Dwayne Peters. I wore like Dickies and Santa Cruz shirts. And I wanted to be Dwayne Peters. After one day. One day of like the fucking king of punk. I, I wanted to be Dwayne Peters. But Steve Olson was like a huge influence on me like as far as style like steve always had like the six gun fucking with his hands like you know what he's I mean? like, like the king of cool he was like fucking like he oozes style like man yeah and, and he's you know he's fucking like 100 years old and he's still cool as fuck he's like the uh tequila guy like the 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 most interesting man <laughs> like, he's, like, <laughs> he's that dude i don't <laughs> normally drink but yeah. when i do yeah. <laughs> But no, Steve, I love Olsen. Yeah, me too. And he's, you know, the, the, the raddest part about Olsen and TA to this day is I haven't seen either one of those guys in probably three or four years. But if I saw him, it would just be hugs. You know what I mean? And, and I appreciate that for skateboarding. Absolutely. I, I'm indebted to skateboarding. You know, the, the largest part of my adult life and childhood was just completely wrapped around skateboarding. And, and, and I feel blessed to have been able to do what I did and um, travel around the world. Right. Thank you, Fosto and Eric, for giving me a credit card and letting me rent credit fucking hotel rooms and rent cars everywhere. And fax machines. And fax machines, man. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> um, what do you think, like, Think was still around. You left Think before its demise, but, mm-hmm. like, what What do you think happened with that? Uh, from my perspective, I just, 
I was going to be 40 really quickly, and my kids were growing up, and I missed a big portion of his life mm. because I was always gone. Working. Yeah, you know, his mother coached his soccer team, and I would show up to games when I could, and I fucking was guilt-ridden by that. Okay, and um, you know, his sister was little. He was still little. Him and his sister are five years apart. And um, my ex-wife is an amazing human being. <laughs> Get all choked up. It was just, I, I, I was going to kill, I was going to die at some point. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I couldn't keep living that lifestyle. And I wanted to spend more time with my family. Makes sense to so, me. I just thought it was a good time to get out. I, I was kind of get that weird, creepy feeling like, dude, you're going to be 40. You're going to be hanging out at skate parks. Like, uh, uh, when's, the, when's the creep factor kick in that like, you know, hey, hey, kid, you want to ride for me? Like, yeah. whoa, stay away from that old guy. Like, I don't know. I just had all these like weird midlife things going on. And um, sure. I, I was stressed, man. I was burnt. Like, yeah. it, 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 it sucked the life out of me. The thing that I loved the most, like, once you start doing it for a living, it'll fucking not be so much fun anymore. And it was gnarly, and skateboarding was gnarly, and it was, it was going through another fucking turn, and China was coming, and it was just there was a tumultuous time in skateboarding. I'd, and and I had, um, I had bought this building with a bar in it with my buddy, and uh, it just kind of had this grand vision of going off and being like this bar owner, and that to me somehow made more sense in my mind. And uh, I was just super burned out. And I remember going to Fausto and telling him like, hey, I'm cooked. Right. You know, like I, I, I gotta get out. And he was like, I think he was mad and upset, but inside I think he understood. Um, I had lost my, uh, my grandmother before that. And then I lost my grandfather right after. And they were two really influential people in my life. Damn. And I didn't have a father growing up. And I was kind of like, when he was little, I wasn't around that much. I was gone at contests and I was gone at events. And I had, you know, I worked, I worked 13 years straight without taking a family vacation. Oh, damn. And the first big vacation I think we took was... The Bahamas. Woo. And uh, that's not a bad first one. You're like, damn, this, this is sick. Fuck this guy. Like, <laughs> what's next? Jamaica? Like, threw his fucking best friend down. Like, went and stayed at the crazy Atlantis resort. And these little fuckers, like. Yeah, like arcade bill was like a thousand dollars, like to man. my room. At least it wasn't porn. <laughs> 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 but, uh, you know, I, I, you know, and I think it, it, that was that was a big point for me. Was just to kind of like, and I and I loved skateboarding. I remember telling Foster like, I still want to do venture. Yeah, <laughs> and I did. I did it for five years from my, after. Yeah, yeah, I kept doing it. And, and the so biggest you didn't leave. I didn't. Like, I didn't leave skateboarding. But like you were still in good. Yes. Yes. Because most people leave, and it's like fuck that guy. I never liked him anyway. Right. You know? And you know, and Foster was king of that. Right. Like if. If you, like, didn't do something he wanted you to do, he yeah. would, like, fucking 86 you. Yeah. And I think he started to kind of be like that with me, but I was, like, this surrogate fucking stepchild, right? Like, you know, everyone thought he was my godfather or he was my uncle. Right. We were close, and I loved him, and he loved me. And 
I, I got to get out. I kissed the ring and I got out, you know? Yeah. And uh, I got to still do venture and that was fucking amazing because the biggest venture I ever got was during those times uh -huh. when I was running it from my home office. It was amazing. And, and when Fosto passed, you know, that was fucking crazy. Like, and then that just changed everything. So, it was, Definitely. you know, I, I, it was almost a blessing to get out when I did because I probably would have never gotten out yeah. If he had passed and I was still here, I would have been sucked into something else or something. Right. You know what I mean? Like, Because uh, when he died, everybody was like, all hands on deck. Yeah. We got to keep this going. Like, yes. Yeah. Yes. I remember the mentality was everyone's going to work hard yes. and like, we're going to do this. And, and you know, and, and Tony was a, becoming a young man at that time. Sure. And was already work, working at Think. And so he took over Think and... You know, and, and, and stepped in stepped into those gigantic shoes and that was uh Dude. Tony's blossomed so crazy. Yes. Tony like, Tony, mad respect for Tony. Me like, too. Tony Vitale. He does a lot of rad right now. It, it's, it's insane. It, for it, a young kid that lost his dad, had like forced into the position he's in, kinda. Yeah. It's like he stepped up to the plate and fucking hit the grand slam, dude. He's opening a shop. Like, he, it's so cool to watch him just because I've known him as a kid. Yeah, so for me, I look at that completely different eyes. I've known Tony since he was in diapers. Yeah. So took Tony skateboarding in the beginning, taught Tony how to skateboard. Shout out. Shout out. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry, I get big brother. Yeah. But for me to see him as a, a young man and be so successful, it, it brings tears to my eyes because I'm just like super stoked. I know Fosto's super stoked. Yeah, definitely. Looking down proud as fuck. Fuck yeah. And like Gwen just going through the motions. Dude, she doesn't need to be here. Dude, Gwen is a rock star. Yeah, like, she, she rules. sits in that office, like in his old office, like every day. I come here <laughs> and see her. I'm just baffled. I refuse to sit in the couch. Yeah. You'll see me sitting on the edge of the couch, <laughs> like on the arm. Like, exactly. It brings back all kinds of scary memories. But yeah, uh, yeah no, they, they just have done an incredible job. And um, no, man, it's, 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 it's insane. How long was Think Together after you left? Was it like four or five years? Maybe four or five years. Okay. Um, I think uh, Tony and the boys ran it for a while. And then Tony jumped into the mag and kept it going right. with Coons and those guys for but a minute. But then it like turned into City or something. Yeah, well, we were doing City when I left. I launched, oh. I launched City okay, yeah. before I left. Okay. And then the guys, I, I think the guys from Low Card licensed yeah. it. Yeah, yep. And then, it, it, you know, they're, they're again doing two different things. I, yeah. I don't know what happened, and it, it just kind of fizzled out. And to me, looking at it, it was the same fucking pros that were on it when I left. You know what I mean? So. Uh -huh. It seemed like it was getting dated, but no one was doing much uh, about it. I don't yeah, know. Right. You know, I really can't speak 100% to it. it I, I remember someone telling me, like, it's official, things dead. And I was just, like, fucking heartbroken. Like, uh, you know, you launch this company, and it becomes a big, giant part of your life and my, my family's life. And yeah. Fucking tattooed on my arm. Uh -huh. And uh, all of a sudden, it's gone. I'm like, I see that these fuckers are bootlegging it in Spain. Real. Yeah damn kind of pisses me off some dude hit us up yesterday he was like dude i'm at a mall right now there's a guy hand screening thrasher logos on shirts and selling them it's like what shut the fuck yeah up. you know you're never gonna do it as good as i am right Suck a dick you know Did, is it true that fausto made venture to kind of like 
get at Novak for Indy? You know, fuck, I don't know. There's all kinds I of scuttle so out of that. Yeah. In the early 80s, they had Thunder and Venture. I mean, like, the deal was on a handshake. I mean, I, I know a lot of the history of There's Indy. No I, signatures. No, you know, and Sherman, Novak, How and Swinson walking down the beach, Fosto and Sherman smoking a joint. Yeah. We're going to do this company. We're going to make it. You guys are going to sell it and be the sole distributors. That was uh, the, the deal. I'm sure someone's going to fucking call, try to call bullshit, but that was the story that Fosso Patello fucking told me, and yeah. I'm telling it now. And now, apparently, they're making the truck somewhere else. But, yeah, uh, that, that <laughs> kind of baffles me. That um, That's the thing about skateboarding that kind of breaks my heart now, that like people don't know where their shit comes from. Yeah. And kids don't even have a clue to want to know right like to know that your product is made by a skateboarder for skateboarders yeah it's pretty fucking important and i think that this younger generation should take a page out of history and find out where your shit comes from yep and know what you're backing absolutely you know what I mean? like and point point and k i'm not gonna get too into that because i don't want to i'm out outside skateboarding enough to <laughs> want everyone to be successful sure you know what i mean but uh I do think that's a sad part of today's modern skateboarder. That, and I see kids riding fucking junk. Yeah. And I just laugh at them. I'm just like, you're a fucking kook. Like, you don't even know what you're really riding. And how much worse is it going to be after the Olympics? <sighs> a lot. Yeah. You know, I mean. I mean, a lot of people are gravitating towards this in their march towards the Olympics. Yeah. And my question is like, all right, once the Olympics get here, then what? Like, are you going to just leave or like what? We thought the fucking the X Games was going to kill fucking skateboarding. Right. I mean, the, the first X Games, we kind of boycotted. Okay. And at least we did here in NorCal. Uh-huh. And Greg Carroll went and worked it. Yeah. <laughs> and came back and told us how amazing it was. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and then the next year, it's in San Francisco. And yeah. the second year, right? First one was Rhode Island. The second yeah. one, I think, was in San Francisco. And Chris Sin fucking wins. And Tony Hawk did the first ever 900. Mm-hmm. SFC. What that kind of did for skateboarding was p- blow it out to a whole other market. When skateboarding hit TV, yeah. it got bigger. Right. You know, I think mean, skateboarding, you know, no one can argue the fact that skateboarding right now, there's more kids in the buying demographic in the world than ever t- any time in history. We, there's more people... In, the, that's no a no-brainer right there's probably more people buying skateboards worldwide it's just so fucking fragmented and splintered where it used to be a california driven sport mm. and now every everybody makes skateboards in their garage and there's garage brands and local fucking brands and this and that and right you know my son who's sitting behind me here i remember him probably getting sick of riding think boards when he was little and he came to me and he's like, oh, I want to ride for this company. This guy, you know, he makes skateboards in Pacifica. And I'm all, he makes fucking 30 skateboards at a time. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Like, I have a fucking 7,000 square foot warehouse <laughs> that I have, have to fucking maintain. And you want to ride some asshole that's fucking making <laughs> boards in his fucking garage? Fuck him. You know oh, what I mean? Like, I'm, I got two page ads and fucking two yeah. publications. I'm sending teams around the world to yeah. try to promote skateboarding. Like, people don't get it. Like Yeah, it's true. And it's the same thing with everything. Everything yeah. gets watered down. Like, yeah. now everybody's got an iPhone. They're a filmer. Yeah. So now, like, pff, yeah. my friend can film. I'll just give him my iPhone. It's like, yeah. oh, okay. There's more skateboarding now than ever. It's just super splintered, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, that's why I kind of go back to that thing. I think kids need to figure out 
know where your product comes from. Does your is your product made in America? Is it yeah. made in Mexico? Is it made in China? Does that matter to you? Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. You know, one of the things that I was super proud to do was I remember when we had the sticker that said skater owned and operated on every skateboard that we sold. Yeah, I remember the ads. Right? Yeah. And I pushed it. I pushed it and pushed it. Greg, yeah. We all pushed it. And I was super proud that this kid who grew up with not much now is running a skateboard company. You right. know what I mean? And that was my life passion. And I would have thought that more skaters would appreciate that kind of shit. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, Jim Thibault is the hardest working guy in skateboarding. <laughs> Hands down. I mean, Deluxe Distribution. Sleep. He doesn't sleep. Because <laughs> if I catch sure. Jim at four in the morning, yeah. he replies. Yeah. Like, if I'm having a fucking bad day and can't sleep, and I text Jim, hey, Jim, yeah. some random question, he replies. Like, or or he, he posts on Instagram at like three in the morning. You're like, oh, he must be in Europe. No, he's no. in Oakland. Yeah, he's, <laughs> at a he's waiting for the coffee shop to open. Yeah. Like, Big love, Jim. Get, get, getting back to the skater owned and operated thing, those guys at Deluxe are doing it. Yeah, absolutely. You know I mean? We got to support skateboarders that support skateboarding. You know, right. Going, like, getting kind of getting convoluted here, but getting to this fucking thing with the Olympics, like, right. how gay do you want to make it? What trips me out is, okay, the dude that rides for Adidas, but he's on the America team that's got the Nike <laughs> shirt on. Trademark infringement. It's insane. <laughs> All of a sudden, the Adidas guy's kicked off because he got he made it to the Olympics. And they're like, dude, you wore Nike. But I had to. <laughs> you're off. It's not this, like, like is Nigel going to be on the cover of Wheaties? Maybe. Hopefully but, for him. I hope he cashes in on it. Who knows? Like, Get a Lamborghini know, out of it now. I mean, he might be cuter than Sean White. We don't know. You know, skate, skateboarding's been watered down. I mean, and, you know, we just lost a real influential person. I have this saying that I use quite a bit, and I'm sure you've heard me say it, Shmitty. We're losing the fuck you guys in skateboarding. Right. You know, we just lost Jake Phelps. Jake was the epitome fuck you guy. Before yeah. him was Fosto, you know? Yeah. Um, we, you know, I was groomed to be a fuck you guy. So my skateboard career, I was edgy and pretty rough to deal with. I was a fuck you guy. But skateboarding to me, that's what skateboarding is. It's gritty. Yeah. It's rough. It's not the Olympics. It's not, you know. That's what I try to explain I, I, to my girlfriend. <laughs> it's hard for me to explain that to kids. You know what I mean? Cause no, they, because it's more popular and it's accepted. Yeah. You're not getting thrown into a locker at school no. because you're a skater. You're getting celebrated and asked if you want to yeah. skate afterwards, yeah, yeah. which is cool. Everything yeah. evolves and we can't be, what do they call it, stale negative. We're just old and being bitter, I guess. Yeah, you know what I mean? but. <laughs> but I think especially your generation, which is a little higher than mine, has to take so much pride in being a pioneer. Like we to me, of, we pioneer is the stone. shit. We carved it out of stone. Right. Like, this didn't happen. It's happening. It's yeah. all new. Once it's all, like, it's like the movies. Fuck, how many Spider-Mans are we going to see, right? <laughs> it's like, dude, but the first one was probably sick. You know, I you remember know? when the first skateboard park started being built at cities, you know, around the, the, the nation. And I remember, I, maybe it was Stesic. We were having one of those late night conversations, and I was going, I can't wait to see the next crop of skateboarders that grow up as groms, little kids, with all this multiple terrain, yeah. how good they're gonna be. And guys like a guy like Raven. Oh man. Who 
is that <laughs> little kid that grew up when skateboard parks were being built. <laughs> my son, yeah, who fucking kills it. Uh huh. These guys are insane. Yeah, you know, and it's like, like there's a park in every city dude, now. Dude, every it's city's like, got a skate park. Yeah, and it's funny how many of them are like, oh fuck, that one sucks. I don't skate that one. I drive to this one. Yeah, but wow. it's like you can warm up there, yeah. skate there without any interruption. Oh, I want to try this hubba. Okay, I'm going to go to this one park that has that hubba, figure it out, and then go yeah. to the actual yeah, spot. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. It's so sick. It, that th this group of skateboarders now that you know what I mean, like it's it, it's pre Sheck, right? Uh -huh. You know, he was that little kid, phenom kid that was super fucking amazing. He yeah. still is. He's made the skateboarder. Yeah, but like, there's this crop of skateboarders. I couldn't wait to see that. Like, mm. and it's for me as a as an older skateboarder and an old man now watching these kids skate you know my son the other day woke up super early at my house in napa he's like i'm gonna go skate this new the new napa park and i'm like what the fuck are you doing like, all right whatever and he comes back like four hours later like like how was he? he goes it was me and one other little kid it was fucking sick we Too skated early. for a couple hours till it got hot like oh yeah it's you know, hot was super stoked showed me the footage that he got and it was sick it was just like you've been to saint helena no that's like 15 more or maybe a half hour further. That's a sick one too. It has lights there. Oh, yeah, but it's sick. It, it's like small trannies. Around. There's a bowl in the middle and then there's this whole like street thing around the whole thing. Oh, okay. It's super fun. Napa's rad too. That's a good one-two punch for like a day trip. <laughs> yeah. The Napa one was tight. Dude, that, like, that's probably hands down my favorite. Yeah, they're both life, really good. It's an interesting time as you know, we go forward what, what happens next. You know? Yeah, I, I, exactly. I mean similar thing is um when fausto died i was there i was here and it was scary and like what the fuck's gonna happen uh all hands you know we d actually we're doing great but then recently jake died and you say losing the fuck you guys like he was probably the ultimate fuck you yes. guy and a lot he of told people everybody to fuck off. <laughs> yeah, and he also called it no bullshit. Yeah. It was like, "Oh, you're weak." Cuz you are. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Yeah. It's just a tough love thing. Yeah, it's I mean, tough love, but it's also like keep the fucking kooks out of the yeah. fucking pot as well. Like, keep you the know. fucking scooters out of the park. Yeah, like we don't need these uniwheel guys no. all over SF. Like no. I, it, was, it drives me fucking I, crazy. I, I, the, the one that kills me is the electric skateboarder. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, you yeah. can't you can't even push, right? No. And he's like trying not to fall at the stoplight and I'm like, yeah. "Oh, I just want to run you over." So like, you're, bad. You're fucking such a kook. I I was going to put like $100 out to anybody who can film one of those guys eating shit oh my god and send me the footage <laughs> and i'll just make it go viral dude we'll fucking <laughs> do some crazy shit i would love that let's get back to a little positivity though uh <laughs> i got this game i want to play with you which is first thing you think of when you hear the following i got a little list gonna start it out with paul zwanich fucking oh god you're killing me paul zwanich style master style master tommy guerrero Oh fuck! Back up. Paul Zawada's <laughs> good pop. Tommy Guerrero, king of king of style. Yeah, is Tommy the king of SF? He definitely. Um, yes. Yeah. I say yes. Tommy, there again. I didn't get to say that earlier. I've always loved the way Tommy skated. Right. I mean, Tommy can skate a fucking curb in a in a driveway and make it look smooth and super cool. Yeah. You know. 
I was in Copenhagen and uh, I've probably told this story a million times, but you've never heard it. So fuck it. Me and Jake are there and we're talking to Nikki Guerrero and Nikki's like, yeah. oh, my wife's pregnant, blah, blah, blah. And Jake's like, you got a name for it? And he's like, no. Nah. He's like, Tommy motherfucking Guerrero. <laughs> I was like, that forever. That's Tommy king, king of style, definitely yeah. king of San Francisco. Okay. Um, Dan Drahobel. Fucking all-terrain vehicle and cigarettes. And he's seven days without him today. Today might be day eight. Oh, shit. Hang in there, Dan. Fuck. I told him, dude, just treat yourself. And he's like, with what? Jaeger? <laughs> I was like, no, dude, whatever you need. But like, just, I love that you're not smoking. And uh, skateboarding 2020. Fuck. Damn, we're uh, fucked. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I got nothing for that. What filter comes to mind is kooks. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tim McKenney called in or texted in actually and he asked um was pyro a low-key coke smuggling scheme <laughs> no <laughs> pyro was a shoe company off of a german streetwear like hip-hop company called homeboy uh-huh during the 90s hip-hop culture is huge in europe uh, homeboy clothing was a big brand in germany yep and follow, you know, follow the skateboard culture, and the owner wanted to do a shoe. So Jens Schnabel, fucking ambassador of Germany. He was the owner. No, he was just the guy who worked for him. Oh, uh, Jens, please, if you're listening to this, you have some of my uh, photos of Tim. <laughs> I would love to get them back. Just saying, oh, Schnabel, I love you. Um, and then Tim also asked, do you have Uzis? Um, no, ARs. Uzis were like, you know, I'm in, I'm in the ARs. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, what's the most scared you've ever been? Sitting in Fausto's office. <laughs> For real. Uh, yeah. Fuck, that's a heavy question. Yeah. Probably the most scared, really, is when I made the decision to leave Think, I was terrified of... Uh, how yeah. I was going to make it in the world and support my family. Your next stage. Yeah. Yeah. And I that was really a, a moment that it took a long time to make the decision. It was really hard to make the decision. And I was fucking, I took like six months and just did venture. Thank God I had venture. What's your favorite restaurant in San Francisco? Harris Steakhouse. Harris Steakhouse. That's, where's that? Right on Van Ness. Oh, okay. Off of Van Ness. By the House of Prime Ribs? Yep, down the street. Oh, shit. All right. What's your go-to there? New York on the bone. Yeah? Yep. Sick. Um, what was your favorite club you went to back in the day? Like, what, where were you most traveled? There was a lot of really, really good clubs early on that were really iconic, but the one that probably <laughs> just the most shenanigans and crazy shit happening was the end up, for sure. Oh, yeah, that Just was the one. If you made it to the end up, you were fucking zombie land. Yeah, you were tore back. It and Greg and I were there every Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> like right after Sunday. Yeah, Sunday straight to the end up. Oh. Shot a Jaeger in a rolling rock. Kick it back off. Fuck. And then straight to work. And then work on Monday, blowing bubbles and drooling on the desk and Dude. fish being pissed at us for being there. You guys did it again. Yeah, Fosto too. Fosto showed up at the end up a couple times. Yeah. Holy shit. That would yeah. be crazy. Yeah, you're at the end up spun all of a sudden fossil and you're like, oh fuck. Uh, is he gonna be fucking stoked and party or is he gonna kill yeah, us? Yeah, right. <laughs> oh man. 
Oh yeah, uh, Aaron Meza has a um, fantasy to learn more about Chris Cook. So I got to ask anything we can about Chris Cook. So oh, Cooksy's delivering electrical parts, correct? Yeah, I see him all the time. No way. Yeah. My son's an electrician. Do you talk to him? Yeah, I do. I do. He's, he, he looks good right now. Really? Yeah, he looks good. Fuck. Do you think we could get him down here? Ooh. Maybe. I don't think he's really a talker. He's, mm. he's, he's not. He's very Introvert. Shy. Yeah. I skated a pool with him a long time ago, and I was like, I'm scared of so pool with Cook. Growing up in a town where Chris Cook is this big, iconic skateboarder, and you're trying to make a name for yourself in skateboarding, yeah, was fucking hard. Right. You know, but I lived right around the corner from Cooksey my whole life. He skated Devil's Pit like nobody else. Nobody can touch Devil's Pit like Chris Cook. Yeah. Chris will find lines anywhere in a pool, a ditch, that... No one else can hit. He's that guy. He's got this mind of uh, just crazy lines to get to. Chris is, Chris was a, a character growing up, and he was scary to me because he was older than me. Right. And I grew up in an era where, like, I call them, like, stoner dudes, you know, like the dudes, you know, like the long hair and smoking weed. And mm. they were, like, scary. Like, And I was this little grom. And he had, like, the Venice, like... That was pre-Venice, you know oh, what I mean? I'm talking okay. like Pacifica. How did he get hooked up with those dudes? Alva. Alva was up here in Alva, no. Alva was out of, out of Venice. Alva no, but how did he connect with Alva? I, you know, Cooksey was skating contest early on, was a pro early on, and uh, sponsored skater. He, I know, I think it was maybe probably through Fogtown. Oh. Right? Because yeah. he worked for Fogtown and Carlos right. and those guys, and when that thing fell apart, he went to, I think, went to ride for Alva. Okay. Fuck. And he had his first pro model, which was sick. It was like a fucking concave kicktail. Dude, I think I might have had more Chris Cook boards on those Alva ones with the, the tail. The, the we were sold kicktail. that you could ollie hire on them. Well, and I had so many of them. <laughs> yeah, it was like Fred Smith and Chris Cook had yep, them. Yeah, yep, yep. yep. Fuck. And, and so the only board that ever had that for skateboard trivia fucking history, well, I think it was. Uh, Eric Hirsch fucking Veriflex had a concave kicktail back in the fucking early, like 80s. Whoa. And uh, I remember when Cooksey had that model, it was sick as fuck. Yeah. Uh, Cooksey's an amazing guy. That's um, sick you see him. Dude, I, I, I haven't seen him, but I know that the Junior has because Junior told me he saw him the other day. Hell yeah. And, 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 and he's delivering uh, parts for an electrical uh, warehouse or something. But My good friend Toad, he has an electrical, um, eclectic electric. Have you heard of that one? No. He does like San Francisco mostly, but he he lives across the bay. But uh, yeah, if you ever, I don't know, you guys should team up, man. <laughs> he, he's the raddest dude. <laughs> Toad. Yeah, I know Toad. Long time skater. He used to do adrenaline out of your dad's uh, thing. Adrenaline. Yeah, adrenaline, adrenaline skateboards with Chris Zan and Jaya and those guys. Oh man. Well, fuck. Uh, last one uh, is what's the best thing about getting old? wise enough not to make the mistakes that you did when you were younger smart enough to still know when to push the envelope and you know just figuring out the one key thing i know my son's probably heard me say it is getting old enough to realize that time is the one thing money cannot buy all the money in the world cannot buy time and time is the one thing that that is super important and spending it with people that you care about yeah and love absolutely you know Surrounding yourself with good people and 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 and, and having a good time, mm -hmm. you know. 
reiterating something that you said or getting back to this subject you talked about your your current wife mm-hmm. um not being a part of skateboarding mm-hmm. I just want to give a huge shout out, shout out to everyone's significant other in skateboarding that puts up with a skateboarder yes. mentality yes. that doesn't care about skateboarding. Yes. Those people are beautiful and wonderful. Yes. I'm lucky to have one. Yeah. It's just like, dude, because we put them through shit. I'm like far. you're traveling a lot. There's like, I got to skate on a Sunday. Why? Yeah. Like, you know, me and Alyssa were talking about the other day and it's like, man, it's tough to be somebody that's not into skateboarding and in love with a skateboarder. Yes. So big props to those yeah, people. Yeah, my, my ex-wife is a saint. She put up with yeah. fucking hell, me being a skateboarder and being uh, uh, an active entrepreneur skateboarder. Those people are the salt of the earth. And now she has to put up with my son being a skateboarder, which right. is fucking hilarious. If you want to do something, you don't care when or where, you just want to do it. So that's where, like, you don't punch out and go, okay, I'll do it tomorrow. No, I'm doing it fucking now. We're going. Yeah, no. And that's the mentality where you're, you don't, it's a tough one to explain to your significant other. 100%. And so what you mean, being an an older person now and having, my son's 25. Hey, dad, I'm going to go skate rather than, hey, dad, I want to come hang out. And I'm like, oh, I get it. I get it. I'm not happy about it, but I get it. You know, I can relate. He pulled that on me today. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool though because it's just a window. Everything's a window, and you got to like. I think that's what you're saying about the time. You got to take advantage of your window because you don't Get know it. when that window's closing. Yep. You know. Yep. Fucking hell. Um, thanks so much for coming in. Thank you for having I'm me. I'm super psyched that we got to do this. It's like really one of my favorite ones. Sitting down with you. Our history is long. Uh, I just got to tell a little story before we sign out here, which is. In 1984, I was uh, a kid in San Carlos, California, just getting into skateboarding. We had a local pool in our city that was skatable. We'd go there. We were the locals. And one day, uh, Keith showed up. I think it was with Bryce. And they were shooting photos. It was a venture ad. And we were like, holy fuck. There's an ad of our pool in Thrasher Magazine. That was Keith. 1993, I'm fucking over on uh, Yosemite, oh, Yosemite at, the, at the first think, and I walk in with Phil and fucking sit down and we talk about me filming and doing shit and and that really sprung this whole thing that I'm still holding on to and then 2019 here we are just catching up and that shit is magic and <laughs> fucking big love. Thank you. Fuck yeah. Thanks for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Uh, thanks all for listening, and we're out of here. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talkin' Schmidt. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. When you subscribe, you'll get notifications every Tuesday of new episodes the minute they become available. Also, please leave reviews in a five-star rating. It's the best way to help the show grow up them charts. All the episodes will always remain free to my listeners, but if you'd like to help support the show, you can do so at our website, talkinschmidt.com, where you can pick up some merchandise like stickers, beanies, hats, possibly even a t-shirt. The website has an 
entire archive of the episodes with extra photos and sometimes even video. If you have personal pics of our Talking Schmidt guests, please send them to me at epicallytrife at yahoo.com and maybe your photo will end up on the site or better yet, on Talking Schmidt's Instagram account. All interviews are conducted, edited, and produced by me, Schmitty. The intro music is Mary's Cross by the band Nature. And a special shout out goes to my executive director, Cheryl Camisa. Shout out. Love it! Until next week, this is Talking Schmidt, where the Rolodex is deep, but the conversation is deeper.